You are listening to Rouge, White and Blue, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Welcome to the Rouge, White and Blue CFL Podcast. My name is Oz Davis. I am co-host of the show. And joining me, as always, is my co-host, Joe Pritchard. How are you doing? I hope it's better than the last remaining members of the Vernon Adams fan club. Yeah, I would say that that bandwagon is shrinking by the week, is my guess. Well, I'm kind of concerned about how you're doing, Joe, because just yesterday, or maybe even, no, it must have been yesterday, uh, you posted to Facebook. Do you Facebook at all? Very little. Okay, I think mostly must... it's pictures of my boy. Okay, maybe that's what it was then. You posted maybe to Facebook, maybe to Twitter about your boy playing cold snap, which hey, five stars, five stars for that. But, Daddy, do you have uh, any new games, Daddy? Do you have any new <laughs> games, Daddy? Uh, can we play the football dice game again? <laughs> and so, that's, but that's a he, win. He wants to play as Edmonton. Now, now is this, is Jeremiah a burgeoning Elks fan? It's a possibility. And there's two mm. reasons for this. Mm-hmm. Actually, yeah, two reasons for it. One is that he sees kids walking around school in Green Bay Packers garb, right? <laughs> because all the parents are putting their kids in Packer stuff. Because Wisconsin. So, when I'm watching football, sometimes that team, the team that looks like what he sees at school is Edmonton. The other time, the other reason I would say is that the first time I pulled the game out, I had Edmonton, I want to say it was Edmonton Calgary on in the background. Because it was, I was solo parenting, but he wasn't in command of the TV for some reason, which is highly unusual in my house <laughs> but he's like daddy can we play a game so i brought that out mm-hmm. and he's like i want to be i want to be the yellow team i want to be the edmonton elks all right and now the three or four times we've pulled the game out it's been can i be edmonton again so it could be just something as simple as his favorite color or seeing it walking around school so okay all right so so what's your what's your parenting philosophy because i know a lot of people that wear up and down that you know i'm a red sox fan and damn it my son's gonna be a red sox fan and then there's another group of fans that's like you know maybe for example i'm a buffalo bills fan and i really hope my kid isn't a buffalo bills fan and then there's a third group that just doesn't care so I guess you're in that third group. I'm in a fourth group going, I know I watch the CFL a whole lot. I just hope it's not going to screw up my kid's understanding of the football world and get him mocked at school. <laughs> wow. Wow. That is a strange concern. Because right, I mean, so- I'm throwing him a curveball by watching stuff that nobody else in school is watching. Well, see, it seems like there's only one other solution. You got to pick up that NFL habit again, Joe. Ah, it was on, <laughs> it was on the TV this weekend. 
He didn't look at the TV and go, hey, look, the Edmonton Alex are on. He just right. said, can I watch my shows now? Right. what he usually yeah. does. I mean, okay. he's four, right? Yeah, sure. Sure. Although some kids at that age do glom on to sports. Uh, to some, it is like catnip at that age. But not everybody. Not by a long shot. So, yeah. Good. All right. Well, okay. It seems like things are healthy there after all. But speaking of the Edmonton Elks, hey, this would be opening a whole can of worms. You explain this one to your son. Have you, have you heard the exciting rumor about the possible new signing of the Elks at quarterback? Like they don't have enough quarterbacks already. I have not. Oh, okay. So there is a... Oh, I could actually read the whole tweet. I have it right here. Okay, so the tweet goes, rumor, hearing from an insider source that the Patriots could be looking to bring back Cam Newton if the injury to Mac Jones is long-term. And then follow-up to me to this was, still interested in Cam Newton are the Patriots, hashtag Patriots, hashtag Vikings, hashtag Falcons, and hashtag Edmonton Elks. And this was very interesting for about 0.027 nanoseconds until you realize that it's just one of those weird, evil AI Twitter bots. Uh, you look at the thing, and it's been up for a short while, and it has about 27 followers and following 10. And it seems to be like a lot of random stuff about random football people from what is it footballers footballers news with a z there footballers news so there you go i guess that's the cautionary tale of bots online for today but it was weird because you know i've, I've been hearing this lately ever since uh who was it elon musk or whatever wanted to buy twitter uh the reason why he didn't for this outrageous amount of money is there was some study undertaken which showed that up to 80% of all Twitter accounts are bots. And I was like, really? Have I seen that many? You know, you see some of the porn girls and stuff that are bots and whatever. But, you know, have, have I really seen? Well, I know I saw one today. Footballers news. Are, are you sad that Cam Newton is not coming to the CFL, Drew? <laughs> I can't say I ever considered it, no. <laughs> Uh, it's too bad. You know, when they say stranger than fiction, Twitter can be stranger than fiction. Right. Let's talk about uh, last week's short slate game. wasn't that strict. certainly wasn't stranger than fiction. Um, just three games on the slate. Started off with, again, invariably, Mantra Alouettes, 23, Hamilton Tiger Cats, 16. Now, I came away thinking, hey, now this is an Alouettes game, right? Lots of Eugene Lewis. Uh, both our running backs averaged over five yards per carry. We only had like 18 carries or whatever. But still, still, I'll take it. Not a lot of quarterback pressure. Zero sacks, zero interceptions. And, you know, the truth is, the truth is, our boy can throw a long ball. He can. You know, I was I was looking at the stats today from this game. Um Dane Evans, 
versus Trevor Harris. Now, the thing about it is that was un esque was the defense. I mean, there was very little uh, pressure in this game. They really only had the one fumble, uh, forced fumble and recovery. Uh, no picks, uh, nothing like that. But, you know, Dane and the Hamilton offense just couldn't get the job done. Here's why. Dane Evans, um, 288 yards passing, but 148 yards after the catch. I was like, I suspected that because I was looking at his line uh, yesterday and today in preparing for the show, and and just wow, really 288 yards. And then you go back and you look at the yards after the catch, 148, and still his long for that game was 30 some odd. <laughs> you know, so really living on the dink and dunk, and it's just not happening for them. Meanwhile, Trevor Harris, 244 yards passing, 80, 80 yards after catch. Um, Trevor is airing it out. Now, if you're playing a defense like Hamilton, we can win with this guy. We can, we can win with Trevor Harris because he'll air it out and he won't be threatened. You know, uh, he's got an arm. Uh, the uh, I just wanted to say, too, that Marshall Ferguson pointed out, he made note of, quote, the emergence of receiver K on Julian Grant this week as a bright spot for the Owls offense. I was thinking about it going, yeah, okay, I remember him during that game and whatnot. And then I went back and looked at the stats, five catches for 46 yards. See, now, why would you make a note of a guy who's averaging nine yards a catch? Well, because that's what the Owls need, right? That's what their passing game is missing. Now, of course, <laughs> we're missing an entire run game as far as I'm concerned, this game notwithstanding. But you know, we've got the rumors of standback coming back, and I'll talk about that later on in the show. But what 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 impressions did you come away from this game, Joe? Well, first of all, I got my pick right last week. I told you so. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome, okay. by the way. Okay. I was I was sweating. I was sweating until game time, but really there was no doubt once this thing started. No, no. I think Hamilton caught lightning in a bottle and caught a tired opponent two weeks two weeks ago at this point. I yeah, I think their season's basically over. Uh, which means Montreal is looking for at least one playoff game, maybe two. So we'll see. Okay. Okay. But yeah. at least they've at least they've climbed at least they've climbed from their start from the start of the season in a season that looked like it was going to be completely dysfunctional to something that's at least resembling competence at times <laughs> which after the first month of the season but it felt like a stretch so that is actually an accomplishment hey yeah i don't know i don't know you know also in my notes for me the only bright spot in this game well a little bit biased but the only bright spot in this game for hamilton and really like the past month or so if you're objective about it is west hill mm-hmm. famously here's a guy he had four catches all last year, or four carries all, four touches, let's say, all last year. And, for example, in this game, you know, 10 carries, 61 yards, the Tiger Cats only touched him. They you know don't I mean? run For, the ball more. Yeah, how about it? I mean, it? it's just that simple. How about when it? they give the ball to their backs, the backs do stuff with it. Yep. They've got some talent back there. They've yep. got Hills, Don Jackson, Sean Thomas Erlington. Sure, sure. Every time I see Sean Thomas, 
Thomas Early to touch the ball, which admittedly isn't a whole lot. He's getting eight yards. So <laughs> give him the ball a few more times at least. Come on. Because uh-huh. Dane Evans isn't clearly isn't able to carry the entire offense on his own shoulders. Give him some help. Now that might been... be the that might be the problem that they've had all year. Is that they're they're just simply reliant on their quarterback to sling it all over the place and not even go deep with it, just sling it and just keep moving on the dinks and dunks. And when you when you have an offense like that, one mistake can turn catastrophic real quick. Yeah, but this has happened all over all over football the past couple of years. Is that, you know, nowadays teams are willing to give you those seven yard passes. They are. They are. They're playing that umbrella defense all game. They'd rather back up, you know, the corners, you know, five, ten more feet, let you have those Dane Evans completions. You know, you're not going to score. You're not going to win the game, you know, averaging. Let's see. Okay, so he went for 288 on how many attempts? Over 30. So so he's going for, that's actually not bad, nine yards per attempt or whatever. That's actually not bad, but you know, he's not completing a lot more than 50% of these things some days. And so, you know, you're perfectly willing to give him those passes. And, and I've seen that in, in both professional forms as well as upper college games. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if you can complete the short pass. You want to be able to do that and do other things because you can't just like give up that weapon. But you know, it's just not what it used to be. That yeah, that run, run the ball a little bit more. Yeah, get right. The bigger, I think you're dead get on. the bigger guy up against the smaller yep. CFL linebackers. Yep. Let them let them carry the action a little bit. Get them into the secondary against the small defensive backs. Yep. Have the safety or a halfback start creeping up, and then go over their heads. Yeah, and they seem to they seem to run block confidently on this team as well. So it's like. I think you're dead on, Joe. I think I think you, you, you got to do more than just one thing. Because if right. you do one thing, defense can focus on it and shut it down. Give them two or three different things. That's how the Bombers' offense works right now. Is they don't sit there and just rely on the running game. They they're a little heavy early. On first down, it feels like they have a tendency to run the ball more than they throw, and that's just from watching it, watching them as intently as I do. But they've also got the deep ball going for them. They've also got the middle range passes. They've got the short passes. I mean, Nick Dembski could be the target of any single one of those things. So it helps to mix it up by even if you're going to the same guy, you can do so many different things. But if you don't have a guy like that, which not a whole lot of teams do, mix like up Eugene your Lewis. play calling. Yeah, mix like up Eugene your play Lewis. calling. Right. Right. Make the defense react to you instead of Giving, telling them what, exactly what you're going to do and letting them settle into an easy pattern. And that's why Ferguson is so excited about Julian Grant. Um, okay, so so we've been, <laughs> we've been coming back to the old adage uh, that Trevor Harris is a quarterback that's good enough to lose you a playoff game. But my question for you this week, Joe, is do you think he's good enough to win you a playoff game at home against the devolving Saskatchewan Rough Riders? Sure. There's only four or five good teams, decent teams in the league this year. The Riders are falling from the platform of being good, decent to good to, oh God, what the hell is going on? 
and it's happened pretty quickly. <laughs> pretty quickly, as in the course of the last six, eight weeks, but still. I'm, know, cons- I'm concerned about how many teams can actually win the Great Cup at this point. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's many because, you know, you talk about good Only teams. one needs to. You'd put, <laughs> you'd, put the, you'd put the BC Lions in there, right, as far as, like, the good teams of the CFL. But right now, they're not going to. They, they, I, I, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I don't think even if they finish second, I don't think they win two. The, right. the final, uh, they don't win two playoff games, much less three. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I think even by the playoffs, Calgary is still going to be trending up. And I don't think – I'm not sure BC will be. Um, and, again, like Montreal, I don't think you put Montreal among the top teams, uh, you know, overall for the year. But I think they got a better shot to win this thing than BC does right now. I don't know. I don't know. I'm At a hot, this exact moment, turn. I'd have to agree with you because – Because Standback is coming back. At some that, that for one and for two last week we talked about Vernon Adams seems to have stabilized the offense but let's see it happen for more than one one week in a row and it did <laughs> yeah I'm going to get to I told you so <laughs> not you but y'all <laughs> so in a minute but just real quick touching on uh, Toronto Argonauts 45 auto reflex 15 uh, I'm not sure what else to say about this just absolute nightmare for the Red Blacks. I mean, it just keeps getting worse and worse for these guys. Toronto clinches the playoff spot. And uh, meanwhile, the Ottawa Sun is speculating this week that Paul Police could be fired before Thanksgiving Day game in Montreal. So after... That should have happened three or four times throughout the course of the season. Mind you, I'm not. I don't like to sit here and advocate. Hey, fire that guy, because these guys can do this. These guys can walk circles around me. So I don't think I feel all that qualified to sit here and go fire that guy. He's not very good. But the fan base is defecting on mass right now. I'm seeing people that I've known on Twitter for a decade that have been the hardest of their hardcore going. I don't know about season tickets next year. I might go to a few games, but why am I going to march myself out there every week when they clearly don't care about the product on the field? Wow. Well, because they're going to have Bo Levy Mitchell. Hey, they might have Daniel Jones from the New York Giants <laughs> next year. Come on. I mean, it's going to be... I mean, it's tough to sell another reboot. You know, it's tough to sell another but It's reboot. a lot tougher to sell we suck, we have sucked, and we will suck with the same coach. <laughs> Henry Burris is in the Hall of Fame. Can he come back? Can he come out of retirement? Because I mean, he's working on coaching with the Bears, I want to say, right? He can come and turn the franchise around in a different way, right? <laughs> that, I mean, that, there you go. I'm not sitting here. I'm not sitting here going saying that Paul Lopolis is a bad football coach. He can. He's a hell of a lot better of a football coach than I am. But it's not working there. Right. It's and not when it's working. not working there, and the fans are frustrated. They've seen nothing but failure from the organization for four years now, 
and then they see the organization sitting on their hands and not making changes. A full-scale reboot's one thing. They've already they waited a year too long to fire the general manager last time around. And then they're going to wait another full year. So they have a new general manager in place. And now they're taking too long to get rid of the head coach and the fan base is restless. And it's not a large fan. It's not a large, it's not a huge city to begin with. So you're, you're the size of your fan base is going to be limited. It's a city that's had three teams in the past 30 years. So on and off again, and it's not the fans fault. They've been fed a steady diet of spectacularly crappy football. So even them turning out what they're turning out is uh, just tells you all you need to know about their fans. Their fans are sitting and begging for a decent product. They're giving them chance after chance after chance to say, we're doing our best. We want to give you, we want to give you a good product. Here's what we're going to do. But here's what we're going to do. Can't be the same thing. It's got to be something different. Sean Burke has got to go out there and go, this is my coach, ride or die. He inherited Paul Police. It's clearly right. not working. Yep. And the fan base knows it. They've been, it's been at least two months of me seeing when are they going to make the change? They're due to make a change. You sit around and watch professional sports for as long as we have, and we get a good sense of when it's time for the coach to be on the hot seat and when it's time for them to either step up and win games or they're out the door. And this is clearly past the sell-by date. But isn't part of the problem with firing coaches in the CFL midseason that everybody else worth a damn is already coaching somewhere else. Sure. Unless uh, you're just going to promote from within to staunch the it. And from my understanding, yeah. they don't have anybody that's called place in right. their organization because Paul police is doing both the head coaching job and the OC job. Sure. So they don't have anybody to come in and readily step up and do that. But all I have to say is what the hell do you have to lose? Your season's over anyway. Show the fan base you give a damn and do something. I guess, but even with, uh, you know, coach comes in and fires everybody up, you know, Dan Campbell's, and, you know, whatever. Uh, this roster just isn't very good. You know, no. Nick Arbuckle, you talk about, you know, good coach, wrong place, wrong time. Well, no, Nick but Arbuckle, you buy yourself as an either. organization a bit of breathing room. You go, okay, we understand that three and ten is not acceptable. Okay. Yeah. The rest of the season is a wash right. anyway. You're not you're not gonna make the playoffs at this point. You just right. you're not. Um, you could talk about all the scenarios where, oh look, what happens if we go five and oh or four and one? You've won three games all year. You're not doing that. So don't even start <laughs> with that kind of crap. That's a one in a hundred shot that that's you that you're even gonna have that happen. So show them you care. Put an interim yeah, coach you, in. Put an interim coach in place to get you through the end of the season. Make your big splashy hire in December, and show them you at least give a damn. But see, it has to be either like an old guard or somebody seriously popular in town, right? And and you know the Ottawa Red Blacks history is short, so you don't have. I mean, 
you know, can we bring in Wally Blono? I mean, like, because, you know, right again, now, like, anybody is better than what you have because your track record is not good there. You need to make a change so that the fans think you're doing something. It could just be as simple yeah, as that. You may be right. You may be right. You may be right. I don't, I don't know if anything's going to get the fans out to the park now. I mean, geez. And just look at that team. It, well, it they've, looks taken, like- they've taken six weeks too long and they're starting to rip at their core of their fan base. And when you lose that core, God help you in the next 10 years. Yeah. In a shaky market. All right. It's not so- a shaky market as long as you treat them right. Yeah, that's true. Because they have proven throughout the uh, throughout the Rough Riders, throughout the Renegades, throughout the Red Blacks, the consistent thing is the fans show up unless you make it clear that there's nothing to show up for. And right now they're trying; they seem to be making it clear there's nothing to show up for. Because they're not even winning games at home right now. I think they're what one in twenty-one over the last twenty-two at home. Yeah, yeah, that's the number. Yeah, that's what they were saying during the TV. Give them something. To want make them want to come back. Okay. Uh, talking of getting the fans out there, Calgary Stampeders 26, DC Lions 11. Oh. oh, boy. Again, can't say I didn't try and warn you, BC. Not Vernon Adams. I'm, I got to admit, I'm developing some rather unsavory. I'm, I'm making a guess about Vernon Adams. I, I, I think there's a problem here. Okay, so here we go. For example, first possession, okay, gets to, they've gotten a couple first downs already. It gets down to second and eight. Okay. Adams sees the gap, hits it, makes almost the entire eight yards, right? They bring in Antonio Pipkin. Bam, he does his thing. Does this nifty little you know, hit the corner? Got about two yards when he needed it. Okay, that's the way things are going to work. This chased, by the way, the Paradise missed field goal. So I'm going to talk about it in just a second, too. Okay, now it looks like the Lions are, you know, they're looking good. They're looking like unbeatable Lions again, right? We don't see this again for the and I'm honestly getting to the point where I'm wondering if either Adams doesn't have it anymore, he thinks he doesn't have it, or he just doesn't want to play. I mean, honestly, he's not doing Vernon Adams' thing. He's not. He's taken way too much time to make these decisions. And and friend of the show, Milt Stiegel, pointed this out at halftime. He's like, look. This is the same BC Lions offense that was spinning the scoreboard at the beginning of the season. The only difference is Vernon Adams. That's it. That's the difference, okay? At this point, he's got to be held accountable, okay, for not working this machine. They've got, you know, I mean, aside from the offense, they've got this the, the top run defense in the CFL, okay? But on the offensive side, they've got a Great offensive line. They've got this young team that plays with punch. They've got the best you know, set of wide receivers in the league. The problem is now Vernon Adams. Isn't it? Sure. But remember, he's been there three weeks. 
Okay. Okay. But look, they ended this game with Antonio. Yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> you know, their only touchdown came from Antonio. And again, it, it's an eye test thing, too. It's an eye test. You know, it was, he was playing like this in Montreal, too. He's, he's, he's become indecisive. And the thing is, like, it's okay if you look at the check down guy and you can't see anything. Run. He used to run. Where is this? Where is this? Don't sit back in the pocket and wait five seconds. Don't, don't go, Vernon. Go. But again, and this is why I think it's a it's a mental issue. He doesn't do it. I mean, like there was a couple of times in the first game where he had the gap in front of him, and he was like, couldn't decide whether to hit it. No, it's like something something is is, is wrong here, and I don't know. Maybe. Maybe the game has just passed him by. Maybe Vernon was a great college quarterback. Hmm? I mean. Yeah, maybe he caught fire in 2019 after a couple of different opportunities around yeah. the league. Found the right spot for the right time. Right, I can see where you're going with Coach. that. I'm just filling in the blanks of what you're putting down there. I mean, wow. I mean, you know, you know. It's you don't want to overreact to one game, but again, like 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 Deagle had some points, you know, halftime. The, the rest of this team is ready to go. Okay, and it happens all the time in football at all levels. You can plug and play a quarterback. They don't even have to be studs, you know, they can be game managers and you'll win games if you have a team like BC Lions. But Calgary, meanwhile, I really enjoyed their first drive in this game, and really like much of much of the game after until the fourth quarter, they sort of got down to brass tacks, um, or at least tried to. Um, but they had a lot of fun early on in this game. Start with the onside kick. Um, they did an end around with Reggie Bagleton getting 19 yards, just in case you needed more fantasy points out of it this week. Uh, but then. Paradise misses the field goal after the drive ends. Couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. Again, like, it didn't take long for me to flip on Calgary after a really fun first drive. And then, you know, misses the field goal. Oh, my God. This, But he redeemed himself later on. Hit like three or four, no doubt. Nothing in doubt. The stamps are the threat. To Bomber Supremacy, right, Joe? I mean, there's and no that's question. that's been the way it's been ever since Nathan Rourke went down. And really, well, BC, it's like, been that way even, even when Calgary was losing their three to Winnipeg in right. July, August. All those games were tight. Calgary is right there. They just happened well, they, to get Winnipeg on the schedule earlier than BC did. Well, they BC, both, they, BC had, had one game early on against Winnipeg. And then they finished with yes. two. Yes. Calgary had them all in like a five, six week span. So the standings, I don't think we're telling the whole story. And BC got all those buys too. They, they got all those buys. And I bet you they wish they had games now, right? <laughs> the workaround. Yeah, we're going we're to talk about this in just a second. But I bet you have playoff scenarios. You know, every week, the official website, CFL.ca, posts these things. 
And I ignore them. Just so you can break them down for me. All right. So that's my favorite part of the show. Hit me. Of course. I love playoffs. Okay. <laughs> so Toronto, Calgary, and BC clinched their playoff spots right. last week, right? All right. So what we have this week is a Winnipeg win or a Calgary loss clinches Winnipeg at least second place and a home playoff date. Because remember, Winnipeg's got the tiebreaker over Calgary. Yeah. Aforementioned okay. three games, right? A Saskatchewan loss and a Calgary win means Calgary finishes no worse than third, which means Saskatchewan can only make the playoffs via crossover. An Edmonton oh. loss and a Saskatchewan win, however, eliminates Edmonton, which means Saskatchewan is the only team that could cross over. Wow, so Edmonton can still make the playoffs? In theory. Oh, that would be amazing. That would be amazing. Oh, my God. You mean, okay, so I just want to clarify. You mean Hamilton and Saskatchewan could both miss the playoffs this year? Yes. Oh, oh Joe, you're killing me. Oh, wow, this is fantastic. I this mean, is well in, worth the wait. Though. In theory, Edmonton could finish 8-10, and 10, Saskatchewan could finish 6-12 and 12 if they both go the exact opposite directions, right? right. And 8-10 and 10 is going to be good enough for third in the East, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ow. Hamilton and Ottawa are going to lose a game somewhere, I'm sure. So, in theory, it could happen, but that's just playing with numbers. I don't think Edmonton's got it in them, but it's still on the table until oh. it's not, right? Oh, that's delicious. I need to bet the other way and play my fantasy team the other way, according so that. Uh, yes. Happens. Because, man. You'll never guess who I had a quarterback on the fantasy team last week. You'll never guess who I tied in at wide receiver. <laughs> I'll give Why? you a hint. His initials are BB. <laughs> you know? The same Ryan Burnham that is now on the sixth game, so we can blame you for that. Oh. Yes, you can. You can. I have had the magic touch. There are two now. And I just want to apologize to you. Really, just not even letting down the side. Just like really, just like playing terrible fantasy football all year. I'm in third to last now, ahead of a guy who's forfeiting and Potsky Wee. So I'm not unhappy about that. I'm not unhappy about being ahead of Josh. However, you know uh, it's Mike. I think is playing. Oh, Mike is. Yeah. Oh, Mike is Podsky, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Damn. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was kind of hoping it was Josh, friend of the show. Uh, I, I, we got to talk some trash to him towards the end of this. Yeah, we, we bring him in in December or January and just start the show by going, Josh, what was that? <laughs> it's kind of like the old Saturday Night Live. And then we'll just and then we'll just let him go for like twenty minutes and. <laughs> Actually, yeah, that'd be a great way to fill a podcast, man. Why Josh up? Let go to work. Uh, it, it would be like the old Saturday Night Live skit. Of, what were you thinking? <laughs> it would be, be that live when you picked the Ticats to be in, to win the Bay Cup this year. What were you thinking? 
Um, okay. Well, speaking so, of playoff scenarios, I believe you're out of it in our fantasy league now because this is the last week, and I don't think. Oh wow! Damn. Yep. Oh wow! Well, I am not officially in, but I've got the way the tiebreakers break. Unless every t- like the four teams behind me all score like 400 points this week, I think I'm because <laughs> I'm up on them by like 200 total points, even Just if I be- lose my matchup. Just to be sure, maybe you should let them pick their teams for them. Just because they're in three or eight three. I can't no, seem to get more they'd, than like they'd 45. have to score like they'd have to score like three hundred points. I'm not too concerned, and all, like four of them. So I think I'm okay. There will be RWB representation in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, well, take my advice and don't take my advice. Uh, all right, so that should just be the motto of the show. Well. You're not a total wash on that, you know? and I've made I've made some good bets here. You know, I've 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 you know I've said them on the show. I I, I think I'm I think I'm slightly down for the year in CFL betting, but I tend to make it up with a great cup unless something freakish happens and I bet the weather. The only way to save yourself in Toronto is Saskatchewan bet the wind. <laughs> well, in Toronto, bet the snow. Right, if Toronto's in the Great Cup, bet the snow. That's the only way to win it. Um, okay, so usually when Joe does the playoff scenarios as a, as a payback to him, I like to give him a stat. So this week, I went through and I looked at the numbers so far this season for coming out of a bye. How have CFL teams done coming out of a bye? And uh, the short answer is really, really good. With some ca- caveats. Okay? Unless so, you're Ottawa. Right, exactly. That's the biggest asterisk I put on this whole thing. Once you take Ottawa out of the equation, teams coming out of a bye in the CFL are 10 and 5. Okay? Other than Ottawa, there's only two teams with losing records. Can you guess who those are? Probably teams with losing records overall, right? <laughs> yes, but <laughs> um, Edmonton is just 0-1. So they, they, they still have some time off to go, which should help them in their quest for the playoff. Um, so they still got a couple of bikes to go. And the other one, of course, is Montreal. One and two coming out of the box. Everybody else is at least 500. And in fact, of the other teams, the only team that's lost coming out of that Oh, no, no, I can't say. Can't say. Uh, so, if you are not named the Ottawa Red Blacks and you're the home team off of a bye week, because here's the other key stat only four of these games have been away. So, only four times have the schedulers made teams come out of a bye and go on the road. And that's two and two. So, not the Ottawa Redblacks at home, coming out of a bye. You should have a seventy-two point seven percent chance, eight out of eleven chance of winning outright in that game. So, I would say that bodes well for Winnipeg this week. So, Saskatchewan, as if, as if you needed more, help. as if you needed more. I got more though. I got oh. even more. Saskatchewan Roughriders. Eight-point underdogs at Winnipeg. So I just wanted to say this. 
when last seen, of course, and I wanted to point this out last week as I was ranting about how awful the riders are. Uh, when last seen, this offensive line was getting burned repeatedly by a three-man rush from the Elks to the point of what, like seven sacks on Fajardo, I think it was? Some crazy number. Most of the time, this was a three-man rush, okay? Riders are bad. They're also going to be missing Frankie Hickson, just announced today, uh, Tuesdays we record this. Frankie Hick, uh, Wednesdays we record this. Frankie Hickson will not be playing. Uh, the Bombers, of course, are winning this season 3-0. Uh, as we pointed out before, uh, the Riders have looked successively worse in each one, but I think that's more of an indication of just their digression, just their sort of devolution this season uh, throughout. I know which way you're going in this game, Joe, but here's my question for you. I'll give you a different question then. What would it take to happen in this game for you to start to feel sorry for the riders and riders fight? What would it take? There's a lot of scar tissue. <laughs> um, I mean, a stomach bug again? <laughs> because there, that actually did was kind of like, okay. I, I I can see that they're doing everything they can to keep it all together. There's just no way today. And they were still fighting at halftime. I'm like, okay. Respect, but good luck in the second half. And that's when it all fell apart. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not a monster. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've already hit that point, right? Well, we'll see. I mean, if they actually see now, I'm running with this over and over again. If they actually did lose out and not make the playoffs, that would that would you'd have to feel sorry for them at that because that would be an implosion, which is rarely seen. Uh, right. Next up, we have a four game slate. This is very exciting. Ottawa Red Blacks seven point underdogs at BC. Now I don't. I would be worried if I were BC Lions. Now, okay. Maybe another one of those games that feels too easy to call, right? Right. I just, again, like, okay. So, as much as this was in Ottawa, this would be an easy call, right? But Ottawa's on the road. And they're semi, and and they're actually pretty good when they're on the road for some reason. I mean, pretty good <laughs> is a comparative measure, but well, yeah, yeah, yeah. they can play when they're on the road. Right, better than usual. Better than usual. Um, I don't know. The thing for me is that if if the Red Blacks are lacking confidence in the coach, okay, you know, and they're like, you know, they're no dummies. They're thinking about whether he's going to be here in two weeks. Oh. Um, Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Okay, that's one thing. But on the other side, here you have the Lions, um, and I'm not sure how much confidence they have in their quarterback. Slash, at this point, this is a big one. So, so yeah. So, I would be tempted. Yeah, as the better, I love this bet. I would be tempted to go the the Lions money line and the Red Blacks plus the seven. 
Uh, so I don't know if I'm ready to take the Red Blacks winning this game. On it the smells like home. 16 to 13 or something. Like yeah. That. Yeah. See, that the under, whatever it is, is probably the smart thing. Because this is not. Or it's 45 to 3 or something. Really, I don't think there's much in between. It's either. It's either Ottawa hangs in all game long and finds a way to lose, or BC just blows their doors off. Forty-five right from the hop. Forty-five points. Wow, that would be well a lot <laughs> from sure, this. But they have the receiving talent and the running game to make it happen if they give Vernon enough time to make his decisions. But I don't. Uh, okay, like me this week. I'm out of it, right? So I'm Paul Police. I'm doing anything. Right? I'm I'm throwing the house. I'm I'm breaking out plays I want to see. <laughs> uh, like me. I, I right no, now. I mean I'm I mean he's gonna about try to Pipkin get the ball to Devontae Den- Deadman, right? Nobody's sure. taking to him. So yeah. Yeah. But here's what'll happen. They'll give Deadman the ball on a jet sweep and a bubble screen within the first two drives, and you'll never see him again. <laughs> That was Lucky Whitehead playbook in 2019. So yeah, I know of where I speak. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wonder if I can. Uh, wonder if I can parlay that. Let's <laughs> see. Get these two plays within the first quarter, and then like the under on total yards after that for Deadman. Um. Yeah. So I don't know. I I I I'm I'm biting my nails down quick if I'm the Lions fans here. Um, all right, next up, Mantra Alouettes. Okay, wow, three and a half point favorites, three and a half at Edmonton. Okay, now here is the way, and tell me how far wrong now. Here is the way I'm interpreting this line. The odds makers, the books, Vegas, however you want to call it, thinks that the Alouettes are one critical mistake from losing this game. That's what this means, right? That's what this is, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm going to defer to you on this one first. Do the Owls make that mistake and lose this game? No. They've been getting better about not killing themselves. Edmonton's frisky when they when they don't when they are in the game after the first quarter, they're in the game the whole way. Right. And I don't see Montreal as a team that's going to run out to a 17-0 lead in the first quarter. So I would think we're talking about a game in the 30s for Montreal and the 20s for Edmonton, with Edmonton making one or two more mistakes over the course of the game. I don't think this is going to be a wild finish i don't think there's going to be one huge super huge thing you circle and go that interception with two minutes left was that game changer i i just see edmonton as being as finally starting to not shoot themselves in the foot on a regular basis and that right now is good enough to post a home playoff game and if they win, they're at 500, <laughs> you know, which would be nice. However, which also, which also 
in a lot of minds would vindicate Danny Machocha's decision early in the year. Oh yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah, of course. Sure. Absolutely. Because, you know, with him, they're well over 500, you know, and, uh, but, you know, we don't count those standards. We count the cumulative standards. So yeah, getting 500 is huge. It's huge. Um, But of course, if you take Montreal to win this game, you are again denying the Edmonton Elks of their home win. So the streak does continue, Joe. Wow. Well, exactly. Now, I mean, I, I can't I can't pick Edmonton to win a home game until they actually win a dang home game, right? I guess. I guess. Yeah. Uh, there really doesn't seem to be any reason for that, though. That's the problem, right? I mean, you're a numbers guy, right? You can't quantify why this has happened except that, you know, Edmonton is a well below average team. Right? So you start with the premise that they're going to lose, what, two out of three at home? Then how much of an outlier are they? And then you let Ottawa take one. And then you let Ottawa take away your home wins when you should have home wins against Ottawa the last couple <laughs> of seasons. <laughs> well, yeah, but see, again, that's not quite letting them is not quantifiable. You know, so you no, last year's game bet- was a very clear letting them win that one. You don't remember that opener, do you? <laughs> well, I remember that it was a, a thing where both teams were desperately trying to give it away. <laughs> uh-huh. No, you win. No, you win. No, you win. <laughs> it was that guy. Yeah. Uh, as I recall. It was a very maddening game uh, from a better's perspective. Now, okay, so there's actually, you're not looking at these lines. And so you actually made a very interesting statement there. You like Montreal in the 30s and the Elks in the 20s. Well, the over-under on this is 54 and a half. So it might be fun to bet the over on this. Uh, I really enjoy betting the under usually, but, you know, it's fun to bet the over once in a while because then you're cheering for touchdowns, you know? So maybe I'll take the over on this game. That'll be fun. That'd be fun. I haven't done that in a while. You see if don't pin, game don't pin it on me time. if it doesn't play out, though. Okay, okay. No, 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 I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I mean, can I congratulate you if it does? Yes, absolutely. I'm just <laughs> I'm I'm telling you not to take not to take not to throw money at it. You do what you will, but don't say I told you to throw money at it. <laughs> oh, come on. Come on. You know I'm cheap. I don't throw that much, and I would never do that. I would never do that to sure, you, buddy. T- toss a two at it. Go ahead. I, uh, <laughs> a 20 Canadian. <laughs> All right. So, uh, final game of the weekend is Toronto Argonauts. Six point underdogs at Calgary. Hey, this is my great company. I'm going to go ahead and just let you run with this one first, Joe. Let you do the analysis. Now I have to remember who I picked because I feel like this one, this one took me a while to pick and I didn't feel all that great about it. Uh, I think I went Calgary to complete the West sweep on the week. I don't love it though. I just don't because mm. Toronto Toronto is a step ahead of everybody else in the East, which means that they're in the mix of two, three in the West, which means the only thing is they're on the road. I think if it's at home, I'm taking Toronto, but with Calgary at home and especially with it being the late game, 
I gotta go. I gotta go uh, Calgary on that. I'm surprised that this is a question for you at all. Stamps have not really had any problems with anybody this season except for the Riders and Beast. And they played the Riders tough every time, too. And they you just... You mean the Bombers, right? Oh, the Bombers, yeah. yeah. And, and they just toyed with the Lions last week. I mean, more or less. I mean, they... You know, so it's like, I don't know. My take on this with Toronto is not what to be seeing these guys right now. No. Know, Toronto's, Toronto's looking Toronto, good. Toronto's, and got real. Toronto's got one to got a got one that they can get away with losing. Oh, sure. Season. Oh, sure. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's no question about that. I mean, they they can't afford to lose. But the thing for me is that this, this is like a pin in the balloon potentially for them. I mean, they're, you know, they're cruising. You know, in the East, you know, they're beating the teams they have to. They're winning these games. They have a decent, you know, roster going on. You know, quarterback may be a question, but how many teams in this league really have their best possible option right now? Quarterback. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I just, this is, this could be deflating. I mean, for, for the Argonauts, they, I hope they at least cover the six. I hope they're at least in this thing because, man, this could be really deflating. If they get blown out this one, just when I things get that good, happening. I, and I Montreal's coming close. Okay, okay, great. So there's there's another one where I think they can cover the spread even if they don't win out, right? So, oh, this is gonna. I might be spending out this week. <laughs> I didn't play anything last, week, so I guess I gotta. I guess the the stock prices are dropping, so I better lose some games this week. Uh, okay, so. Just one final question. You've got the stamps in this. You don't feel great about it, but can't the stamps win out? Of course they can. They don't, they don't have the bombers or the lions on the schedule anymore. Right. Right. So really, Toronto is the last significant speed bump I could see. Although there is the Montreal curse. <laughs> We do, tend to, we do tend to beat the oh yeah, right. Hey, you're the guy that buys that stuff. You <laughs> um yeah, it's not again, that's one of those things that you can't prove. So there's no way. There's no way I would actually ever bet that. Um okay. You got any last thoughts for us, Jim? You dumped on some good wisdom this this show, I gotta say, Jim. That, that including makes, telling me how to bet these games that makes that now I'm truly worried that this was going to go exactly the opposite of what I said and I'm going to look like a complete freaking idiot next week oh no 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 so I mean no I, I'm talking about you know you're right Hamilton should like focus on the run game you're right Paul uh, police probably should be fired show some fan stuff like that you can't actually lose money on you can't actually jinx that. I don't think. I mean, it was no. the worst. It's just yeah, the... watch. Everything <laughs> I said is going to sound stupid next week. Because <laughs> Otto is going to win at BC and then La Police stays on until the end of the year. The fans come back in droves. That last part ain't happening unless they, unless they win a few in a row. And then it'll be like, okay, they finally found their feet. <laughs> I don't think you're going to take it over for this show, Joe. 
In any case, let's see if Joe takes an offer next week on the Roos White Blue. For my co-host Joe Pritchard, I'm on Davis. This has been the Roos White Blue CFL Podcast. Enjoy the games. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.